You are listening to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Um, this episode is something of an impromptu one. Um, I was talking about the um, hypothetical runners and riders of a future Tory leadership contest with uh, David Hurdson uh, of politicalbetting.com fame and also former um, uh, Tory uh, association chair. And and we were just sort of chewing over the runners and riders, as I mentioned, and I thought, well, why not, why not press record on this? Why not... Um, uh, put this on the podcast. So what you're about to hear is a reasonably short, by polling matters standards, uh, conversation between me and David um, about the uh, Tory leadership contest to come and also the state of the Tory party uh, mid-Brexit as it is. So here is that conversation. So I'm here with David Hurdson. David, welcome to Polling Matters. Hello. So we're going to talk a bit about the, the Tory leadership campaign to come if you like we're all assuming that there is one um to come at some point reasonably soon in the not too in the not too distant future but before we get there i mean what's your take on the state of the party generally at the moment it seems quite fraught in parliament um i don't know what's going on outside there in the associations in the country but i mean what's your overall take on the tory party at the moment with brexit uh, I, I think clearly the party in westminster is very divided um, the government is very divided. Um, ironically, I think one thing which is not being picked up is the lack of coverage being given to issues outside Brexit, which to some extent points to a government which, when it's left to the environment or health or education or whatever, is ticking over reasonably well. Uh, I know there have been the occasional scandals, but um, that's in one sense, quite a positive thing, but everything is overridden by Europe, obviously. Mm. Um, at the membership level, I think there's a good deal of frustration, um, both with the leader and with the party in general. Um, I don't think there's a huge division. I don't have a great insight into Labour, but my um, instinct is that things are more united within the Conservatives than within the Labour membership. Um, but that could all change if there is a, a leadership contest, and particularly if there's one before this phase of Brexit is over. Because when I look at polling of Tory voters, I was looking at some YouGov numbers earlier today, it was interesting that, that Tory voters seem to overwhelmingly want um, MPs to back Theresa May's deal, but in the event that they don't, they wanted the, the, the solution to be a no-deal Brexit as opposed to some sort of delay. I just wonder what your feeling is that the membership thinks. I mean, is the membership willing to back Theresa May's deal? Or, 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 I mean, as an outsider, my perception would be that they're quite keen on no deal, but I might be wrong. Um, I, I think a lot of people uh, will be more keen on no deal if it doesn't happen than after it does if it does. Um, I mean, we can only go on what we've got at the moment. But, yeah, the, the, nobody likes Theresa May's deal. I suspect Theresa May doesn't particularly like Theresa May's deal. Um, but it is. it remains the only one on the table. And I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of it all, um, it goes through. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's not popular. Nobody's going to go out and sell it. And that's, I'm sure, one reason why the government's so keen to try and avoid a, a second referendum, because if that is on the uh, ballot paper, there's going to be very few people who are out there arguing passionately for it, because it, it doesn't really get the blood running. Um, However, do people really... Well, yes, certainly there is a strain of opinion that wants no deal, and, it, and it's very vocal, and we saw them campaigning hard for Brexit last time. Um, 
I don't know how far that strain runs. I, I think it could be real, you know, talking maybe a quarter, a third of the party that's really worked up about it. Um, I think there's a silent majority there who, for whom just running the country well is the priority and, and are quite frustrated by what potentially could be a very disruptive event. Mm, it's one of those when you look at the brands of the main parties that you know, both Labour and the Tories have their their strengths and their weaknesses in the minds of the public. Um, I'm not going to list them because I'm, someone will accuse me of being biased, but I suppose one of the traditional supposed strengths of the, the Tory party is sound government, you know, sound finances and that sort of thing. And I suppose um, all the division that's going on in Westminster would, um, w- w- would seem to challenge that. I mean, if I would just add to that, I mean, on the polling, there's so much polling out there um on the different options and what the priorities are and you know what is and isn't acceptable and i think that one of the things that always strikes me leo leo barassi was talking about it on last week's podcast matt singh's talked about it before is that theresa may's deal is virtually nobody's first choice but then actually it's a reasonably acceptable or the least unacceptable outcome to a lot of people as well so it's just but she's really seeming to struggle to to get mps to think about it in that way or at least to get mps to think beyond their Beyond their first choice, I suppose. Um, I want to. I want to record an episode today yeah, that doesn't necessarily. Sorry, go on. Sorry, I was just picking up on that. We do obviously have the um, indicative votes coming out um, pretty soon. There is a possibility that Theresa May's deal may end up being the only one which gets a majority of backing, um, for precisely that reason. Mm. It's, it's nobody's favourite choice, but it's something that a lot of people could live with. Yeah, that will be interesting to watch. We're not, we're, we're, let's not talk too much about indicative votes today because I think by the time this goes out, we'll already know what the, what the results were. Um, but on, on the yeah. on, on the leadership question, I mean, at, at some point there is going to be a vacancy. I don't think that's a controversial uh, statement. I mean, where where's your mm-hmm. assessment of the... I mean, we go, we'll go into them in a bit more detail afterwards, but just top line first. I mean, where's your what's your assessment of the different candidates that are... That you know that we should be looking out for in in that contest. I mean, a lot of those names have been bandied about before, um, but who who are you watching? I, I think there are three main scenarios. Um, my instinct has always been that the change would come this summer after Brexit takes place, and if it does, um, I think you you again you're looking for a stability candidate, so potentially someone like um, Sajid Javid potentially someone like um, Jeremy Hunt, um, possibly Michael Gove, who was one of the early Brexiteers to look towards a pragmatic line. If it's before Brexit, then either you you get a unity candidate, uh, which I think will be very difficult to arrange um, without a significant change to the leadership rules, or alternatively, I think it would probably be quite a hard Brexiteer because I don't think the party membership at that point would accept anything else. And frankly, goodness knows who might, that might be. I think we could see all sorts of strange goings on because the the campaign would have to be extremely compressed as well. Hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of chuckling to myself, Riley, at the concept of a unity candidate in, in politics anywhere at the moment, whether it's, whether it's over in America or here or in Labour or the Tories, etc. Um I mean, let's pick up on some of the... Go on. I was going to say, it's something which is often speculated um, about by those who don't have to do it a lot more than um, by the the practitioners. (laughs) Um, But sometimes the the necessity of the situation requires it. Um, Mm. And it has happened before, of course. Um, Michael Howard was um, the unity candidate. There was no other 
um, person who put themselves forward and there was a coronation. So it can be done. Um, sure. I mean, the obvious candidate there is Michael Cove, for... isn't it? I mean, sorry, I was going to say, the, the obvious... I mean, the obvious candidate there is Michael Gove, isn't it? As the lever that's in, as you said, the pragmatic lever that's in the um, in the cabinet at the moment. I mean, what's his? Oh, I want to get your impressions of his reputation among Tory members because, I mean, it, it bounced all over the place, didn't it, in the polling with Tory members around the time of um, when Theresa May became prime minister, when he sort of knifed Boris Johnson and stuff. I'm just looking at some YouGov numbers um, on Michael Gove, and he's pretty unpopular. Um, when it comes to the general public, 52% think he would be a bad leader, 14% think he would be a good leader. And even among Tories, uh, Tory voters again, I should stress, um, 45% say bad leader, 28% say good leader. So I do wonder sometimes if there's a bit of a disconnect between what the lobby thinks, if you like, and maybe you know what the more informed political watcher thinks in terms of his abilities and what the public think. But I mean, it'd be good to get your impressions on some of that, but also what, what does the Tory membership think of Michael Gove these days? Because they've... they've They've fallen in and out of love of him a few times, it seems. Indeed. I, I don't know what the, the latest thinking would be. Um, certainly, he hasn't always been regarded as entirely trustworthy, um, given his uh, behaviour towards Boris. But given that Boris now seems to be flip-flopping again over the withdrawal agreement, um, maybe that will reflect back on Michael Gove for having basically called him out for that kind of behaviour um, when he withdrew his support back in the 2016 leadership contest. Um, in terms of Gove overall, I think he's a little unfairly treated by the public, uh, which is not to blame them. <laughs> but he, um, he did a good job at justice. He is innovative. He listens to the evidence. Um, he's quite pragmatic. Um, again, this environment, he's been relatively below the radar, but he's been winning plaudits from people you wouldn't necessarily always expect to be um, giving credit to a conservative environment minister. Um, and even his education, where he came in for a huge amount of stick, and I'm sure a lot of that is what's still showing up in his opinion poll ratings. Um, his, his ability of handling the reform might not always have been the best, but he, he did drive the reforms through, and that's something which, as a leader, um, you need to be able to do. So, personally, I've always seen him more as a potential chancellor than a potential leader, mm. but he's thinking he's got a sense of humor and i think he's somebody that the public might be pleasantly surprised by rather than perhaps what they got with theresa may which was someone they were unpleasantly un, um well surprised by <laughs> i mean i think a lot of people have compared theresa may to gordon brown um have the honeymoon then sort of fell apart basically i wonder if i wonder if gove's a bit like that though as well just uh, my instinct is you know okay he could, he could come in and have a honeymoon period again you know, he's quite. He's clearly very clever, clearly very politically smart, and all the rest of it. I'm not not disputing that at all. I'm just sort of thinking from a public opinion perspective. But the second things start to go wrong, I just wonder how much benefit of the doubt he would get. I mean, maybe Brown's not a good comparison for Gove. Maybe um more like a Ed Miliband. I'm just not. I'm just not sure the public ever warmed to Ed Miliband, did they? And I, I wonder whether the same might happen. Um, the same might happen of Gove. I mean, you mentioned, let's move on though. You mentioned there's a few candidates to talk about. Um, you mentioned Boris Johnson. Um, his poll numbers are pretty mm -hmm. dire in terms of public opinion, uh, some of the worst of the lot. Um, but when you look at Conhome and these sorts of places, he seems to still poll well with the grassroots. Um, has he still got a chance of leadership, well, do you think? 
I don't think he does. Um, I, I, that's that's one to file there for when it goes wrong. <laughs> but um, we've all been there. I I, I think his boat has sailed. Um, there's a lot of affection for Boris, um, partly because he's a, in some ways a. I would say he's an exactly lovable character because he's not. Um, but he's, he's there's a lot of goodwill about him, and he did win the London mayoralty, which the Conservative is. is something which was unexpected, even more unexpected, to do so with the Conservatives in government. Um, but you can't, you can't really trust his views to last. Um, I, I don't think he's particularly Machiavellian um, in his habits. He, he just, he's, he's not somebody that I think has leadership in them. And he's a bit, he's, time at the Foreign Office was very far from a success and as Prime Minister the skills are not there I'm afraid um, much as one might well, I'm sure many people would like them to be um, they're not and I don't think he he would get through the MPs round um, there, there are too many people that have seen through him and it's it's not a, a leadership campaign that that would work and I suspect that like last time when it comes to it he won't run at all I mean, do you see somebody like Dominic Raab being better equipped to to take on that? I don't know what the let's call it the hard Brexiter mantle. I'm not sure if that's the right phraseology, but would somebody like that be better placed? Do you think? Yes, I think they would. Um, I, I think it's more likely that Raab will run in the first place. Um, there's clearly uh, a space for somebody like that on the ballot paper um, among the MPs. Whether they get as far as the members, you probably need 80 plus. Um, I think that comes down to the individual. Uh, and clearly, Ledson did last time in what was a pretty extraordinary um, election. But it is one thing which is um, a feature of the Conservative leadership election that the, um, the Eurosceptic candidates, the strong leave candidates, are people who have not fared well in office and don't necessarily have the leadership attributes about them. So it could be that you end up with two moderate leavers, um, one or more of whom may have been a Remainer in 2016, who mm. go to the members, which probably won't be well received. But um, at the end of the day, if they can win the next election, that'll trump everything. Sure. So we've talked about the Brexit, uh, the hard Brexit side, so Boris Johnson and um, Rob, and we've talked about Gove as a potential unity candidate. I, d I just wondered if you had a view, either from what the membership think or from from your own analysis, about whether, if, if we look at the other wing, if that's the right way to put it again, um, Javid and Hunt, um, do you see one of them as better prepared, um, either for the office or for the campaign? I mean, you know, if you had to choose between them, not not in terms of personal political preference, obviously, but just in terms of who, who you think is more plausible as someone that's going to be really competitive, do, do you think there's a uh, one that stands out over the other, or, in, or indeed, any, or indeed both, anybody else that you know that, that could be in that lane? I think they're both capable of um, going to the membership, uh, and they're both capable of winning. Um, I'm a little surprised at um, a little renaissance in um, Jeremy. Sorry, yes, yeah, Jeremy Hunt's um, figures. Um, I, I don't think he necessarily. Again, he doesn't come across well to the public, and I don't think he interviews particularly well. Um, but 
he certainly had a better time at the Foreign Office than Boris did. Um, and perhaps his time at the NHS is being forgotten a little bit more quickly than, say, goes at education is. Um, I think Javid is the strongest of um, the sort of centrist candidates, if I can put it like that. Um, he's, to an extent, risen without trace, but he's, he's making the right noises. And he, apart from, I mean, the, the Home Office is never an easy brief. Um, but I don't think he's made any of his own mistakes particularly though. He's picked up quite a few of Theresa May's. Um, but I think he's being forgiven those because there's not an awful lot you can do about it when your predecessor is now the Prime Minister. No, of course not. Um, and we're all we're all supporters of Javid here. Well, as I say for the listener that doesn't know, um, when I've got tw- I've got twenty pounds on him at fifty to one, so uh, I'm watching his <laughs> I'm watching his potential candidacy with uh, uh, very closely. Let's put it that way. Um, final question, David. I mean, is, is there anybody like a wild card? Come. I was going to say, um, Kieran. Even now, um, Javid is fourteen to one uh, to be next prime minister, which strikes me as very good value. Mm, certainly does. Get on it, dear listener. Um, is, is, are there any are there any wild cards out there? If wild cards uh, or outsiders that you think not necessarily will win, but you you can see performing well if they run, or maybe um, having a good shot at the membership and that sort of thing. Is there anybody we haven't talked about that you think is worth a watch? Uh, this is a wild card, and it's a, it's very much out of left. Well, it's not that far out of left field, but it will be very much um, against historical precedent. Um, and that's Geoffrey Cox, um, mm. who is 66 to 1 to be next Prime Minister. Um, if there is a need for a compromise candidate, he's somebody that I think all sides of the party respect. He's an extremely good speaker and, and again, has a quick brain. Um, he also has you know, Brexit credentials in that he managed to negotiate more in the space of about a week with Brussels than three Brexit sectors managed between them. Um, now, I don't think it's likely that he would run unless there was a strong movement for somebody outside the current runners and riders. But if there was that feeling, then I think he's somebody that the spotlight could land on. One to watch. Um, David Hurton, thanks for your time. Thank you. You've been listening to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. A big thanks to my guest, David Hudson. As ever, if you like what you hear, please do share the podcast on social media or elsewhere online or tell a friend about us. Um, It all does help us to grow our audience and uh, spread the word about the show. If you can see your way to giving us a like on Facebook or various podcast apps or even giving us a positive five-star rating or comment, um, that would be very good too. But for now, thanks as ever for listening and have a great week.